Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 5, Episode 17 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, slated to come out on November 21st, 2022. It is the week before Thanksgiving in the United States. Next week will be our Thanksgiving episode, but for today, we're not going to talk about Thanksgiving stuff. Instead, we're going to talk about French toast, and specifically, I mean Left Hand Brewing's French Toast Milk Stout. At the bottom, it says, from our hand to yours. That's not creepy at all. Um, <laughs> so it's a brunch-inspired brew with notes of maple syrup, vanilla, and rich caramel malt. 6% ABV. And I will say, my favorite um, you know, stout that I've had in the last like few years, uh, or not my favorite, but in, in my like top ten, mm-hmm. is this French toast stout that another company that's here in North Carolina does. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm having, a, having a moment. Can't think of their name. A Wicked Weed is the name of the company. And they they do a really fantastic one. So I'm wondering if this, because I don't have a bottle of that, mm-hmm. holds up to the memory of that other one, which was absolutely delicious. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to start buying thing off as I know we've had some of these before. Um, it is not as good as I remember the other one being. No, it's not. But it is still pretty good. It is still um, pretty good. I will say it is a darker beer at the start than it is at the finish. It's a little weird that like when it first hits your tongue, it's kind of acrid. It's very deep. Yep. But as soon as like it hits the rest of your tongue, it, it pulls re- out that maple yeah, syrup. It and really butter. lightens up, and you yeah. get that vanilla, all that other really good stuff into it. So it's, I mean, it's not bad. I don't think I could get somebody to drink this that doesn't like stouts. You know, yeah. it's not some of those other ones that have been like, I could get my wife to drink this. Yeah. She, I couldn't get my wife to drink this. It still is no. a little bit too bitter. But it's pretty good, all things considered. I mean. All right. Mm-hmm. I hate it, but I don't hate it. So, like, I drink this all day long, but because I know the other one exists, I don't like this one. I get what you're saying. It doesn't live up to the memory of the other one. Um, we might have to do a side-by-side at some point to see how much is my memory different from if I'm in reality. But this is one of the few like breakfast stouts I would actually have with breakfast. Like, yes. This with a stack of pancakes would be great. Would be fantastic. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I I, I don't – so I, I said I hate it. I don't really hate it. I mean, left-hand brewing, I love most of your stouts. Like – I like uh, the milk stout that you guys do. I like the uh, like you guys do a, another one that's um, uh, Kentucky uh, bourbon. I I, I might be I've tried a bunch of beers in the last mm-hmm. year. Maybe getting like the names off, but I know that there's like three or four that I really like. This one, the reason that I don't like this one as much is that the flavors are on the back end, not the front end. And on the other one, the flavors mm-hmm. were on the front end. So like when you get it, when you drink it the first thing you taste is French toast and maple syrup. And then the butter kind of comes in on the back and it's more like you're experiencing a breakfast. Yeah. Where this one is more like I accompany a breakfast and I'll make those other things like kind of linger a little bit longer. In yeah. I mean, I think you've really hit the nail on the head. The problem with this beer is I don't savor taking the next sip. Yeah. You know, I don't want to keep going back in, but this would be great to like watch food down with. Right. You know, because you're you're drinking something to kind of you know get that strong flavor out of your mouth anyway, and then you know this finish is very light and very good. So you know, I think there's a different use case. Yeah, it I'm is. 
it is definitely a different mm-hmm. use case. It's not my, it's it's not my thing though. I hate it. I hate that it's not my thing. I was like <laughs> so pumped about this. I was like, mm, left hand, you give me another option for a seasonal beer that's like a French toast. Now, I mean, now I'm absolutely going to have to go back see if Wicked Weed has any of the French toast because I don't know if that was a limited run or not. Yeah, and then see if I can find some more of this. And if I can, we might do a twenty. A, a episode 21 this year where we talk mm-hmm. about that like just have like because i know like our last two episodes are probably gonna be like tea and coffee because we're talking about doing something like that where we like do some like experiments with tea and coffee um maybe we'll do another one where we have like the two stouts side yeah. by side yeah. Yeah. And to maybe continue in the trend of like what would this be good in cooking wise i've been to one or two places that does like pancake and breakfast mm-hmm. that they don't serve the pancakes with like syrup they put almost like a little glaze or icing yep. like in between the two pancakes or sometimes like on the top one. This would be great with that. You like, you know, use this as your base instead of your water for when you're making your frosting or something. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a, like you make a maple syrup that has, or not a maple syrup, but a, a syrup that's out of this. And then you add some maple like to it to make the maple flavoring come out a mm-hmm. little bit more. I can see that being really yeah. good. Yeah, it would like add to those buttery notes and things like that, and then have a little bit of bitterness to tone down the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly, that's what I'm seeing. I think that's the real fit here is that this little like very kind of bitter start would be so good if it had something like that was already sweet on my tongue that was coming in. You know, so like if this was mixed into something that already had some sweetness and brought it out from the beginning, or I was having this with something that was sweet. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about paying for 4K YouTube. Now, I want you to tell me, have you heard about this? I have heard about this. All right. So I I am a YouTube Red subscriber because I hate ads. Mm -hmm. And that's the most difficult thing to um, do. But I got it when I I wanted to have um, uh, Google Play Music. I hate Google Music. I hate Mm -hmm. Google Music. It sucks. But I want to Google Play Music. What? <laughs> I heard something in the background talking to me. <laughs> Hopefully nobody else heard There's it. Ghosts. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> and I think somewhere, somewhere else in the other part of this house, there's music playing. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but the I, I wanted those services, so I got, um, I, I got that that subscription. So this is not really a, a problem for me and i don't care about anything over 1080p generally especially when you're talking about youtube because the compression like sucks and stuff like that but i do have some like thoughts on why this is crappy um so i'm gonna let you go first and i kind of laid my hands out there a little bit yeah so, so here's the thing i also pay for youtube because i use youtube music and i don't i'm not gonna deal with ads in my music yeah. service i use youtube a lot it is probably my primary like video content place. Watch it with the kid. Watch it privately for myself. You know, gaming videos, stuff like that. While I kind of don't like that they're monetizing YouTube in another way, this is one of those few things I can see a little bit. Because, you know, this was a big discussion in early days of streaming. Um, is that people that were doing really high-quality streams were being asked to like lower their bit rates and stuff like that because it puts so much extra strain on the systems. Mm-hmm. So you know if they were to turn around and say, "Hey, 
everything can now have 4K. There's no cost associated with it. That is a big CapEx expense on YouTube side. Yep. And while, you know, it's not like Google is short on money, YouTube traditionally is not really a money generator. So you would be taking on a lot of CapEx expense for really probably not an increase in your profitability. You know, people are going to come to the platform because now it's in 4K and it wasn't in 4K before. Yeah. You know, so I guess I'm kind of neutral on it. I'm not happy it's happening, but, you know, it's one of the few, like, corporate, you know, pull-offs that I can kind of see. You know, unlike the chip episode where I just just don't see a world where that (laughs) makes sense to me. You know, this at least I can see from a monetary standpoint makes a bit of sense. I I um I kind of agree. Uh, so for me, it comes down to a 1080p video that you encode a certain way and have a certain bit rate on. Hmm. Let's say you max all that stuff out, may take up about like you know 20, 30 gigs, depending on the the size of the video. Yeah, you can. You're talking about taking up maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty gigs of space with four and eight K video. Hmm. Now that you know could go anywhere from you know. 60 gigs to whatever and you can use things like nvenc encoding h.265 the new um uh, intel uh hev1 no um oh I, f- I forgot what that encoding is but all that stuff shrinks the size of those files so it creates like a compressed file uh with as good uh, as or close to as good as quality hmm. so that saves some of that space let's say you get it, you know, a 1080p file down to like five gigs or four gigs. That's pretty good. 720p is like two gigs, and you're not having to do any transcoding. You're actually storing those things locally. Yeah. You talk about uploading something at 4K or 8K, and then having to transcode it down or like buffer it down. You're talking about something that's four, five, six times that size. Mm-hmm. So the storage space for it is immense. So from that standpoint, I can totally understand why a company that has really tight profit margins may say, "Look, we'll we'll continue to host your 10K, uh, t- uh, sorry, 1080p, 720p, 480p. We'll continue mm-hmm. to encode, like encode and decode and all that other stuff. We'll put those on our content servers. Sure, we'll do that." We're not going to, without getting some sort of recompense, mm-hmm. <laughs> host anything that's higher than 1080p. Um, the thing that I don't like about it is you gave this up until this point as a touted like thing, YouTube now in 4k, like all over the place. Right. Um, to people for free. Okay. So, so that I don't part like that. I didn't know. And that yeah. is a little scummy. If yeah. that's an existing feature and now you're making it a pay for feature. I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. Um, I kind of only heard about the 4K stuff when they were talking about monetizing it. Because, you know, I still live in a 1K world. I don't <laughs> I don't have any monitors higher up. And what part of my argument was going to be, you know, YouTube does not talk to my monitor. Right. So, like, I've gone on to videos that had higher than 1K. And it's auto-playing at that higher one. I'm not seeing it. Because yeah. I'm on a 1K monitor, but I'm taking up that bandwidth. Right. You know, so, like... Yeah, that's that's a business. That's really something they should have sought through before they started offering those video resolutions. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I don't necessarily think it's a wrong move, and I think in this case, it you know, like if you had started from the beginning because you knew how much that was going to be, but you touted that as one of the reasons for people to use your platform now. Yeah. And people don't have there there is no other platform like YouTube. 
Like you don't get a platform that has a repository of human knowledge except for a library. YouTube is like the video library of the world. Yeah. And it has content out there that's good and bad. That is knowledge and, you know, disservice. But that is what a library has in it. Mm -hmm. It has false and correct information in it. And you go there and you research that stuff and you can make your own judgments on it. YouTube is kind of the same way. And I don't think there should be government regulation necessarily for everything. But there probably should be some sort of human protection, right? Mm -hmm. So there should be regulations from that sense, not necessarily a government like the United States or, you know, the the EU or, you know, any of those other governments that are sitting down and saying we're regulating this. That's probably the people that would do it, but that's not necessarily what I think should happen. But this should be one of those things that kind of becomes protected. Now, 1080p is just fine. I think they could just cut out the whole 4K crap and just be done with it, and it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. It'd be okay. Your cell phone's not going to need a higher... It doesn't matter if you have a 4K screen on your tiny 5-inch cell phone. You're not going to notice it. Your eyes cannot... I mean, and especially as you get older, like, you can audio file that crap up, but that's just not going to happen, you know? Um, So I I just... I, I think that this is one of those things that it's crappy because... This is the library of human knowledge in video format. Yeah. And we're taking a part of it away to try to monetize that library. Totally everything I said about this being a private company and other episodes still applies. From an ethical standpoint, it's kind of a crappy move. Yeah, and you're right. And it it gets, especially because of how widely used YouTube is, it puts it in this really weird spot where there are people that use YouTube purely as like lowbrow entertainment i'm watching prank videos i'm you know following uh you know or i mean the general way i would use youtube if we're talking about the day-to-day for me i'm watching some guy do a video game playthrough i'm watching some gun channel because i like watching this old man shoot guns you know stuff like that it's not that important and if it went away in that context it's not a big deal but on the flip side there's universities that put all of their lectures up. There's professors that record study material for their classes. Southeast that, Linux Fest. Exactly. You know, there's all those things. I, rem- I remember um, seeing a, a post from somebody who was freaking out because the study guide that their professor recorded and uploaded to YouTube got content striked. Like, so he's trying to study for his exam that happened in like 48 hours, and the study guide isn't there anymore. Yep. You know, and that's that becomes kind of that level that like YouTube is not saying, you know, come to me to do those things, but that's how people are using your platform. Yeah. And And they did say come to me in the past to do those things. Yeah. But you know, but in changing those things has effects on real people. Yes. You know, and I think that's the, that's that weird line. Same thing with Twitter and Facebook that like they've been integrated into society. So yeah, they're a private company. Yeah. There's a private platform, but like, you make certain changes, real people get hurt. Yep. You know, so it's a it's a weird place to be in. And so for that end, you know, if they're now trying to charge for a feature they previously did for free, that's that's a bit scummy. I'll a hundred percent give you that. That's just bad business practice. So on the flip side of that, Netflix, mm-hmm. basic with ads. Have you heard about this? I have. We're, we're thinking about 
um, getting rid of our Netflix. The thing that holds us in, uh, we are we are trapped in having a child. Yeah. Because here's the thing about Netflix, Netflix. kids. Well, I mean, it's not even Netflix kids. This is the thing I just I have such a hard time wrapping my head around with Netflix. They have so many shows that are just trash. Yeah. That are they're awful. I mean, if you tell me something is a Netflix original, I don't think immediately. I, I normally think, oh, that's not. It's probably pretty bad, right? Yeah. You're about to tell me it's the worst show you it's ever the worst watched. Show. But then they have a couple things that are just iconic. They're perfect. I'm not yeah. sure if you've ever seen Storybots. Yep. But it's so good. They've got like Octonauts on there, yes. which is a super popular kids show. Yep. And it's like, I can't, I, I might be able to get Octonauts somewhere else. But like Storybots is a Netflix original. I can't get that anywhere else. Nope. And so, you know, I, I, I haven't done it yet. I'm considering looking to see if there's other places online you can get some of those things. Well, let's uh, talk about afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, I, well, so there's no other place. Just putting that out there, there's mm-hmm. no other place online that you're going to get like Storybots legally. It's uh, this all Netflix. Yeah. Um, and you know this Netflix thing is stupid. You know they're they're trying to, but it's. It's because they were the only streaming platform for so mm-hmm. long, and they they had a monopoly on it, but they were so inexpensive and everyone was putting their stuff on there. When everyone decided to like go back to cable and have like all the different streaming platforms that you'd have to pay to like have mm-hmm. like all the different services, they basically just killed Netflix, uh, which is good in some ways, but. I mean, like, hold my hand over my heart watching a fellow soldier, you know, be lowered into the ground kind of deal. Uh, maybe that's the wrong sort of imagery. But the uh, what I mean is Netflix had the promise of being this great platform that yeah. everyone could come to and for a low cost per month, not having to pay the media moguls a ton of money, be able to, you know. So for that, from that purpose... But how low have they sunk to where they're having to now put ads in a? They're they're Huluing it, and yeah, Hulu was the, you know, Darth Vader, you know, Sith Lord of streaming platforms when they came out because they did crap like this, and this is the next step afterwards. So you get a basic with ads tier, where you have to watch more ads, and then you get one where you watch one long ad and you pay more money to get fewer ads, but it's one long ad at the beginning of every episode that you watch. Mm-hmm. Why am I paying you if you're ad supported? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know it's it's so weird to to live in that because I mean again you have to go back to thinking about what was Netflix, mm-hmm. you know, and probably the people that are named raised they listen to this podcast they know, but for anyone that isn't, you used to get Netflix in the mail. It was a competitor to like what well, was DVD.com, and it was a competitor to a cheaper alternative to like Blockbuster. Yeah, and you know you wouldn't know what Blockbuster is either if you're too young to know what Netflix was. But like, you know, a rental store. You know, you was to replace. Hey, I'm going to go in and rent a movie. Or I'm going to go rent a TV show, and you were just getting the DVDs for all these things. And there's no ads on a DVD. There was never an. Ad. I never went to Blockbuster. Oh and wait, had to watch you did, don't, don't you remember the Disney DVDs that had the unskippable ads at the beginning of them? Yeah, but that was Disney, and that, in all honesty, <laughs> happened a little bit later than this did. Yeah, there yeah. was that era of Blu-rays you know, and DVDs that have ads that, at the beginning. Well, they included the trailers yeah. at the beginning, and you couldn't skip them. Um, 
But, you know, I just wonder, like, how have we, we gone back to that so far? That this was a platform that started from its very inception in a no-ad environment and had been profitable for more than a decade has now messed things up so bad that they feel like they have to have ads to be able to turn their profits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's It sucks so much. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm considering getting rid of my Netflix. Um, I've had it since Netflix came out as a streaming mm-hmm. service. I'm considering getting rid of it now. Yeah, I mean, once my kid's old enough that she doesn't like to watch like the really young kid shows, we're probably not going to keep it anymore. I want to kind of watch through the Henry Cavill Witcher. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I'm going to like go for the new Witcher that's taken Geralt's uh, Geralt's place. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that plays out because there's like there there's been nothing really official to it yet, but like Henry Cavill has been vocal that the only reason he would leave the show is if they started making like story decisions he didn't that agree with. He didn't with. agree to. Yep. And, and he's a pretty nerdy fan of that series. Yep. So, you know, there's the chance that he left because he just had some other role that was super great. And if that happened, sure, that's great. But if he left because of creative differences, it makes me worry about what the next season's going to be like. I think not the next season, but the season after. Yeah, well, the, the, they, whatever the one that he's not going to be in. Yeah, yeah. The, the fourth season. All right. So, anyways... This has been Season 5, Episode 17 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll catch you next time.